shaking and disturbed, everyone. I'm oh. Daddy Cat. Ooh, 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 on the <laughs> mic again this week. Oh. I'm trying not to sing because we talked about an NNMR. Well, listen, you can sing, just you don't want to get too up into the mic, but I liked how you... Kept like your volume a little bit down. Okay. Yeah, there you go. I modulated. I'm I learning. like it. I like it. Well, welcome to Shaken is Served. I am Darren Carp, <laughs> and I'm here with my husband, as Dan Savage always says, mm. John Mama Bear Thrashy Washy. The, uh, here, another, Excuse another me. nickname? J-Bone Mama Cat Thrashy Washy. Done. I That's just, the full birth certificate name, the third. That's I it. Just, I just wrote, I don't know if I wrote somebody or what I did on Patreon. I think it was on, yeah, it was on Patreon. And I like signed it at the end. I was like, John slash J-Bone slash Mama Bear slash. Mm. And I'm like, I have too many names on this show. Now you're adding oh. Thrashy Washy, which is sounds way too That's close happening. to Rash. So we're not doing wow. that. With monkeypox oh. going around. And well, yeah, that, uh, okay, that's fair. Yeah. Okay, okay, but to get that rash away, you need to washy. No. Your no, no, no. Okay, okay. No. Well, We're moving was, right along. Right Darren, along. What are do you, you have? Yeah. Oh, look at us right on schedule here with what we're drinking. Go ahead. I'm just you gonna go say I'm not ladies drinking any. First. I'm ladies first. I've got pickleball very soon tonight, so I don't don't want to be drinking. We're recording Fine. a little bit later in the evening than usual. Um, but what are you drinking? I, well, as we know, we tasted the Rockies. That's right. You and still guess have a what sixer, the, don't you? Still got a the... sixer. I think I only got through two last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're blue. The mountains are blue. I was so I am say. enjoying yep. some more of that sixer that I that I bought last week for my Coors Light. So Love it. I'm excited. But you know what? I got a few tricks up my sleeves for some drinks coming in the coming weeks. What okay. All right. I love it. Yes, I do too. It's funny you say that because... Someone recently um, recommended this espresso martini recipe Ooh, to me. I love. Oh no! Here. I never Ooh. thought. Uh, oh, I never <laughs> thought I was gonna love an espresso martini, me and then either. I had one recently, and I was like, "You yeah. can't have. I can have one. I don't totally. want to have like three. You're not you doing know? a whole night of those for sure. Like one is great, maybe yeah. two, but goddamn, they're good. They are good, and I will say, shout out to um, our former coworkers, Matt, the bartender, and. Gina the staff boozer haven't yes. said that that in quite a while um, for a martini espresso martini recipe from back in the martinis and murder days that was Those super yummy good. but super yeah yummy. I'm really trying to do that so I want to collect the recipe and like maybe do it next week or the week after that um, but yeah I'm going to try it out I, I love trying new things by the way yeah um, I can I just interrupt yeah, you for interrupt. a second? Yes. Because wait, so someone sent you the espresso martini yeah. recipe, right? Correct. Okay. I also heard that because I get to work with Megan a lot. That's I get to right. See you Megan are working with Megan more. Yeah. I'm working with Megan a lot more outside of this podcast. Just as it's not like details to come soon. Yeah. Details to come. Um, but you know, Megan's a wild child, just like me, and I heard. <laughs> That you're trying. Oh yes, yes, yes. To get Megan to try our microdose Lumi gummies. Oh my god. Okay, so I think she's, and she's been, like down. She's very down. I mean, we've been talking about how great these things are for a while. I got one of my friends going with it. You've loved them. Um, did you say Nadine tried one? I think, or am I making that I, I'm, up? I'm trying to get her into it to help her yeah. sleep at night. Oh, so. there you go. Perfect. Fortunately, she's not here right now, but yes. But I, whenever you can, yeah. So Megan liked the sound of these so much that she's gonna try them too. 
So maybe she's going to try them and report back. I was saying, like, I'm trying to get everybody on board these Lumi microdose gummies. And one by one, everyone's kind of, like, realizing how great they are. So um, I'm sort of like the microdose fairy, if you will. You know, I'm just out here sprinkling the information around. You're definitely a fairy. We know that. Definitely a fairy. We do know know that. that. And if if you're on our Patreon and listen to this week's NMR, you know that daddy cat, mama Mm -hmm. bear, and now taxidermy Tina which That's is right. Megan's new name, are now all on this microdose experience. So clearly we're doing something right here. That's right. We're all geniuses. And our show today is actually sponsored by Microdose Gummies. Microdose Gummies deliver perfect entry-level doses of THC that help you feel just the right amount of mm, good. I love that line. Microdose is available nationwide. And to learn more about microdosing THC, go to microdose.com and use code SHAKEN and you can get free shipping and 30% off your first order. Oh, my God. Links can be found in our show description. But, again, that's microdose.com, code SHAKEN. Darren, let's macrodose some interesting oh. true crime. I don't know if that's a word. I shouldn't have uh, maybe just no, said that. My, uh, all right, I'll say it. Macrodose. Uh, let's overdose on this murder <laughs> here, okay? That's uh, an interesting way to put it. Yes, let's do yes, it. Yes, it is. In March of 1960, Colin Pitchfork was born in Leicestershire. I think you got that right. Correct me if I'm wrong, because it's Should like I ask Siri? Yeah, like I mean, like what are you gonna say? Well, I'll say here. Let me. Ask. How do you pronounce Leicestershire, England? Okay. Of course, it was. Here's what yeah, I found no, on the web. Never mind. Yep. 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 Well, whatever Siri said, England, the middle child <laughs> of three. So Colin Pitchfork, born in 1960, middle child of three. Colin graduated high school, enrolled in Bosworth College. But Bosworth always makes me think of Charlie's Angels with, like, Bill Murray being Bosworth. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. It was Bill Murray, wasn't it? Yeah. Like, back in, like, the Lucy Liu. The 90s version, yeah. Cameron Diaz, Barrymore. Is that the 90s? It was, like, like, 2000s. It was early 2000s. You're right. It was, like, probably 2000, like, literally 2000. Like, one or 2000. Yeah, exactly. Let me look it up. Okay. Yeah, 2000. Perfect. Oh, there we go. Look at us. Look at us. So, Colin graduates high school, rolls in Bosworth College, but abandoned his studies in 1976 in deciding instead to become a baker. He also found work at Hampshire Bakery, where he worked for the next 11 years while also doing volunteer work at a children's home. Guy seems pretty perfect. While volunteering, he met a social worker named Carol, and the two married in 1981 and had two sons together, the first in 1983, the second in 1986, which is when Mama Bear was born. On November 21st, 1983, a 15-year-old girl named Linda Mann, let's Linda with a Y, was visiting a friend after school. Linda attended Lutterworth Grammar School and loved studying languages. She took French, Italian, and German. Lutterworth is, sounds so British to me, and I, I am the that. opposite of good at languages, except really? bad English. You seem yeah. like you'd be really good with language. I tried Spanish and I took it for a while in school, but I just hmm. you got to practice and like it. You, people just have a knack for it in a way that I don't. Well, she also was the middle child of three sisters and was described by her friends as happy-go-lucky. Around 7.30 that evening, she left to see another friend in a nearby town before heading home. That evening, Colin was taking care of his son. He happened to be driving down the road with the baby in the back seat when he came upon Linda as she walked alone along Forest Road to her friend's house. Now, already this is spooky to me. Like, it's, it feels like it's the evening. There's a baby in the walked back along. seat. She's by herself. It's weird. Yeah. Well, Colin pulled over and got out of his car, leaving his son inside. Linda became frightened and started to flee when this unknown man approached her. Her fears turned out to be completely founded, by the way. 
Colin caught up with Linda, grabbed her, threw her down to the footpath, and raped her. Jesus. Keep in and, mind, she's 15. Yeah. Not that it's okay. She's 65. No, but I'm a just kid. Saying she's yeah. 15. Yeah. Well, in an attempt to get Colin to think better of what he was doing and perhaps save herself, Linda asked Colin, what about your wife? And this indicated to Colin that she had noticed his wedding band, which is, like, so smart. I mean, for anybody, let alone a 15-year-old in a traumatizing situation like that. Yeah. Well, after the incident, yeah, after the incident, Colin realized Linda had a lot of ways she could identify him. She'd seen his wedding ring, plus she'd gotten a look at his earring and the fact that he was losing his hair. So she got a pretty decent description of this man. I'm looking at a picture of him right now, and there are like, you know, definable features. Yeah. Yeah. Colin also realized that as he and Carol, his wife, were planning to move to that area very soon, there was a very good chance Linda would see him in town and recognize him. Mm. So Colin then decided, I like your, hmm, Mm. I like that. I'm going to isolate that audio one day. Well, Colin then decided his only course of action was, of course, Darren, to murder Linda. That's the only logical thing. That's the only logical thing, yeah. So he strangles her with her own scarf and left her body on the footpath. Oh. Linda's, Linda's body was found the next morning, but investigators were short on leads as to who might have killed her. There, was evident, there were evidence samples taken from Linda's body, and investigators were able to determine the killer's blood type. However, roughly 10% of the male population shared this blood type, so detectives didn't have much to go on. Now, remember, we mentioned at the top of the show, this is the early 80s. DNA forensic profiling definitely is not even a thing yet. It doesn't really come about for another 15 or so years, really. So Colin Pitchfork was, in fact, interviewed about Linda's death, and although he had no actual alibi, he told police that he was the sole carer for his baby son on the evening of her death. Police kind of found it unlikely that anyone would leave a baby alone. You know, remember, this that sure. is something that happened even to commit rape and murder. So the police are kind of like, eh, this guy's checking out. I wonder for you, I mean, obviously completely hypothetical and we never know, but if she didn't say, what about your wife? Yeah. Do you think he would have killed her? Like, did she, not that it's her fault, but did she spark in him the realization that he could be recognized because it's a small town and she, you know, saw the yeah. wedding band. Like, I'm just, I'm so fascinated by that. Yeah, for sure. You know, and I've, I've been doing so much true crime stuff in my day job and, and otherwise. But, like, I've heard of these kind of, like, horrifying rape stories where a lot of women and sadly young girls like this do that because they want to sort of de-escalate the situation. Yeah, remind the guy of their humanity. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. like, for sure. I mean, She was obviously trying to do something to get her to out save of it. I'm not saying, right. yeah, yeah, I'm just wondering if that like sparked Oh, I know. It makes him. you wonder. Yeah. Well, in December of 1983, Colin, Carol, and their three and their children moved uh, moved to a village called Littlethrop, which is another English town. Yeah, yes, yeah. Littlethrop. Littlethrop. Just a sh- Littlethrop, just a short distance from where the murder took place. Colin found more work as a local baker, and in February of 1984, Linda was buried at the local cemetery. Uh, about a year and a half later, October of 1985, Colin threatened a local girl with a screwdriver. She reported him for indecent assault, but he was never apparently apprehended. Hmm. Very interesting. In July of 1986, 15-year-old Don Ashworth was on summer holiday, summer holiday, from Luttonworth Grammar School that we talked about before, the same school that mm-hmm. Linda had attended several years prior. Now, Don was known as a mature and sensible person who enjoyed art, 
particularly drawing and painting. And on the afternoon of July 31st, Dawn went to visit some friends in a nearby town, but when she arrived, they weren't home. So she decided to walk back to her house. Okay, so now she's walking, just like... And she she took a small local footpath only a short distance Hmm. from where Linda was killed. On her way, she happened to pass Colin riding his motorcycle, and Colin noticed Dawn entering the footpath and caught up with her. He grabbed her and exposed himself to her. This so he detail, flashed her. Which is like so I, weird. I never get that. What's the like, point of it? I had my friends in middle school and high school. My friends in middle school and elementary school were flashed by a local guy at memory in his car. Like, but I never understood oh that. God. Like, is it the sad like everyone has their own kinks, so I'm not yeah. really talking about it being a kink. Yeah. But like, what is the satisfaction? Of like showing your penis to girls, is it them being scared? Well, let them me tell being you. Disgusted? No. Yeah, you're like from my experience. From my experience, no, I think it is. It's absolutely. I mean, that's truthfully how you and I became friends. And <laughs> that's how we podcast. met. Yes. Absolutely, that's how we started our career. I did show my penis to you, and you were like, "Wow!" And I was like, cool. "In." You were like, "Yes." I was like, "Let's cool. work together. We've got to find a yeah. way." Um, no, I think I think you were you were on the right track there. Um. Not to make too much of a light of this particular situation, but of like course. just creepy guys like this in general. Mm. It's like I think that they just really get this satisfaction of like just simply exposing themselves. I mean, it's so disturbing and like it's bizarre. I mean, I mean to be honest, it's probably mental illness, but it doesn't make it any less creepy that it's happening. You know what I mean? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Well, you know, Don ran from Colin obviously after he exposed himself, and Colin chased her down overpowered her and raped her on the ground near the Ugh. footpath. Once again, Colin strangled Dawn to prevent her from identifying him. You know, I feel like he could hide himself as opposed to killing them, but I digress. Yeah. And yeah. hid her body in the leaves and foliage off the trail. Mm. Dawn's body was found two days later, and once again, police had no solid leads as to who have com- who could have committed the murder. Dawn was buried in a local cemetery, and detectives became increasingly frustrated with their inability to catch the person preying on the young women in the town. It's obviously a small town, you know, and for it to happen to girls around the same age who also went to the same school Mm -hmm. is pretty terrifying. In an effort to find any new leads, authorities partnered with a television show called Crime Watch UK and presented a dramatic reenactment to the public in the hopes of jogging someone's memory. This is like way before podcast, you know, like I know we have all these like, know. you know, we think of serial and of course all the different true crime shows that are out there now and how they've contributed some of them to the justice and solving of so many cases. This was sort of like the beginning steps of that in the UK. Absolutely. Well, eventually the police made an arrest for the murders on August 8th, 1986, 17 year old Richard Buckland was taken into custody for the crimes and even confessed to Dawn's murder. However, Richard did not go to prison. His life was saved by a man named Alec Jeffries. Now, Alec was a scientist who studied genetics. Several years prior, in September of 1984, Alec had this sort of eureka moment in his lab when he realized he could view similarities in DNA strands among people from the same family. So this Mm. is sort of like a breakthrough into what we now know as modern forensic, you know, DNA testing. Absolutely. Within an hour, he realized he could use this to create a process we now refer to as DNA fingerprinting. It's the process we still use today to compare a suspect's DNA profile to evidence found at a crime scene to determine the likelihood of their guilt or innocence. Now, I love this stuff, first of all. Like, I love the Golden State Killer, the way he got caught. They, like, picked up some of his old trash. Like, I think it was, like, a pizza plate. 
I mean, thank Live God for, for s- or, or like, yeah, a pizza plate or like a cup. Like, thank God for technology and totally. science. That's all I got to say. In its infancy, um, DNA fingerprinting was used in several immigration and paternity disputes, actually. Basically, you know, to prove the likelihood of familial relations. A lot of, you know, are you the father types of situations probably going on. Sure, sure. But in 1986, this technique was used for the first time ever in a criminal investigation, which was in Linda and Dawn's murder. So that's an interesting fact about today's episode. Police were able to use Alex Alex's, his name is Alec, I should say, uh, Alex. D- Alex's DNA fingerprinting, basically to determine no, that. Isn't it Alex DNA fingerprinting? Alex. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. yeah. Wow. I have an English wow. degree and I don't know wow. how to say words. Interesting. Cool. I, I took public speaking in college. <laughs> they, well, that there you go. Cool. I didn't know cool. that about you. That's interesting. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah, um, do you think I passed? Do you think I, I aced the, aced the class? I think you got an A plus, yeah. Uh, yeah. Nonetheless, they took the DNA fingerprinting to determine that the blood samples left at the murder sites did not match Richard Buckland and that he was mm-hmm. therefore not guilty of the crimes and he was released on November 21st, 1986. It's a good f- reminder that people can falsely confess to things that Absolutely. they didn't do if under duress or in a different pressure or for whatever fucking reasons. So and for, a pot- confession doesn't necessarily mean guilt either. And potentially, that's true, and potentially he made a plea deal here. We don't have the information right here, but maybe it was like if you confess to this murder we'll let you off earlier on this murder so who knows also we're talking about the UK here so you know very different Different, laws and jurisdictions that Darren and I well at least I am not privy to anyway armed with Darren's just really good at saying the names of the towns Um, that's about as far as we go that's it that's all I got yeah. Absolutely. Well, armed I'm qualified. With, <laughs> exactly. Well, armed with this new way of picking out potential suspects, authorities took blood samples from over 4,500 men in the area and extracted their DNA. I mean, imagine that, by the way, just like going out and taking DNA samples of all these guys. Yeah. Well, Colin was one of the That's men. That's why monkeypox exists in New York City, because <laughs> you guys keep taking DNA samples <clears throat> out well, there. Listen, well, that's, that's neither here well, nor there. Mm-hmm. That's, it's definitely here. Let that's me tell you. shaken and disturbed after dark, if I've ever heard yeah, of Yeah, that. that is. Yes. Well, anyway, Colin was one of the men who was asked to give blood, but he came up with a plan to avoid this capture. Colin worked at the bakery with a man named Ian Kelly, who I just want to say I went to high school with a guy named Ian Kelly. So mm-hmm. it's very weird. It's a very, by the way, British or um, Irish name, Ian Kelly. You can't get much Ian more Ian Kelly? Irish. Yeah. Oh. Uh, oh, I think that was Australian, oh. babe. Yeah. No, I... I... Oh. Okay. Oh. Anyway, um, he convinced Ian to give blood in his place. Um, I don't know so how you do that? How you on earth? Like I, yeah, like. I don't seems, know. All right. Well, here I'm going to tell you some details. So the men swapped passport photos, and Ian was able to give blood without the police suspecting anything nefarious. So there's Which a lot of planning. So they're not checking. Yeah. 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 And, they, and he's banking on the fact that they're probably not going to be detail oriented. Exactly. They're collecting. However, many 4,500 men in the area, you know, they're not, yeah. they're just looking for a match. They're not looking at the details. Well, in August of 1987, the following year, Ian was out drinking in a pub and began speaking loudly about trading places with his friend Colin. There you go. Uh, this is why liquor is like truth serum in its own way. <laughs> a woman at a nearby table table overheard him and became concerned. She contacted the local police. Thank God for these people well, who were able to track down Ian for questioning. And this is such, this put like, when I was reading the research, I was like, this puts something in my head. I'm like, if I were in this woman's position, like Darren, you and I have gone out to several bars, several scenarios in the city over the years 
New York and, and otherwise. And I'm like, if I were in that exact same position and I'm overhearing some drunken guy talking about he switched passports and gave blood. Like, right, well, I'm not sure I would pick I, up Would on I it. do it? Yeah, like, would I even pick up that there was a crime going on, let alone go and report it? So kudos but, to this woman for that uh, Yeah, reason. kudos to this woman. But if you're in a smaller town, if you're concerned, especially as a woman, it, yeah. for you have young kids, maybe you're just going to, you know, your ears are going to be perked a little sure, bit. But yes, fair. either way, at least she heard it and then took action. Yeah, for sure. So congrats to her. That's great. So, so frightened that he might get in trouble, Ian admitted to the police that he had given blood in Collins' place. Mm. On September 19th, authorities arrived at 27-year-old Collins' home and arrested him for the murders of Linda and Don. Collin immediately confessed, as well as to the additional indecent assaults he had committed in the area. I almost wasn't expecting him to... Con- I wouldn't expect that, given all the circumstances. To, to confess. Yeah. Collin told authorities that he only meant to expose himself to the young women, but when they ran for him... Ran from him, he chased them down and raped them. I don't know that that's how that goes. I'm not confident that's how that goes. Yeah. But, and like as if that's better. Yeah, right. I like only as, wanted to show them my dick, but then, and then they resisted because they did it, so I raped them. Right, yeah, like right. that seems a little odd. He went on to state that he only murdered them to prevent them from identifying him. All right, so that's justified killing. But like, it's just oh violent. Okay, yeah, keep going. I just want to on smash January, my microphone right now, but keep going. On January 22nd, 1988, Collins' trial began for two counts of murder, two counts of rape, plus two counts of indecent assault. Collins immediately pled guilty to both crimes and was sentenced to life in prison for the murders, plus an additional 10 years for the two rape charges, three years for the indecent assault charges, and three years for conspiracy to, per, to uh, prefer justice. justice. Yeah. By swapping places with Ian Kelly to avoid giving a blood sample. Well, I'm glad they charged him for that. Well, thank God, because that's like, talk about that, like, breaking the law in every sort of way. I mean, that's fucking, that's like, you know, obstruction of justice. Yeah. This carried a minimum sentence of 30 years in prison. Wow. So, boy is away for a while, and Ian Kelly was issued a suspended sentence of 18 months for giving blood in Collins' place. Yeah, I mean, 18 months, I'm trying to think if that's satisfying enough you know, sentence, but it is what it is, I guess. I guess that's not super egregious. But when you think of the ramifications of it, my goodness, you know. Yeah, right, exactly. Well, years later in 2008, Colin was given permission to appeal his sentence, and in 2009, his minimum sentence was reduced from 30 years to 28 years. Not sure I agree with that. But also not a big Not a huge jump, but still. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, agreed. So years later, only just last year, Darren, on June 7th, 2021, Colin, now 61 years old, was granted parole after spending 33 years in prison. So he got reduced to 28 for the, I guess, the the more harsher crimes, yeah. but ended up spending, for whatever other reasons, 33 years in prison. His parole was granted with a set of 35 conditions that he must... Uh, follow for the rest of his life in order to maintain his freedom. If he violates oh. any one of these 35 orders, authorities must bring him back to prison. We have a couple of these conditions here. And remember, I think it was last week's case yeah. with the Rockies. Remember, like, he gets out of prison yeah. and then he breaks he it to go it with the bank. And we were like, dude, like, like an absolute moron. It. Yeah, like, right. That, but that's isn't that like a great example of just how fucking stupid these people are that go and kill people? Sometimes people can't help themselves yeah, exactly. in so many ways. Yeah. So one of the conditions is living at a designated address. So they were like, listen, you're not 
you know, because you have to think about how these these crimes occurred, right? Like he's driving around, they're outside, they're walking down paths. They're they're thinking, you can come out of jail, sure, but we're going to put you somewhere where you cannot be around people, probably. Right. That's my assumption, at least. Well, and also you don't want him moving around because then he's going to do this in other places. And he can, if he moves to the United States, right. you know, like... Then he's on the run, and then you got to right, worry about exactly. extradition, and that's a whole other problem. Um, another condition was you have to take he had to take part in probation supervision. That's mm-hmm. obvious. That happens a lot. He had to be uh, he had to submit to lie detector tests, which I think is interesting all these years later. I mean, in the United States, at least we've moved away from lie detector tests in the way that we used to in like the early days of our country and and in the last couple decades where, you know, there was a time where lie detector tests sometimes made or broke. Cases. Cases, yeah. absolutely. So absolutely. to hear this in the UK, that's really interesting. Um, another one which I think is interesting, which is conforming to curfews. So I guess certain days of the week, certain maybe times of the year, certain maybe even holidays, this man has to be home in in his house, you know, on a curfew. Yeah, absolutely. And, which I really love the next one, restrictions on his technology use. Basically, he has... Um, Parental controls put on all of his devices. You may not use the computer for X amount of more than X amount of hours or his phone, whatever. I wonder what his kids or his son, rather, like I wonder what his son thinks. About yeah, all this. really. Uh, another thing disclosing any personal information authorities deem relevant to public safety, including which vehicles he uses, who he speaks to, and where he goes. So they are on wow. him. Like, this is find my friends, but like find my convict. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, right. You're, exactly. You're gonna know exactly where this guy is. And of course, thankfully, he may only have limited contact with children. I don't know why he has no contact with children, but okay, limited contact. That's something, at least somewhat better. Maybe because he had a child. Potentially, yeah, that's fair. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Well, Colin's release created, as you might imagine, an enormous public outcry in Britain as as a large outspoken group of citizens didn't believe releasing a child rapist and murderer was in the best interest of public safety. Yeah. True. Not sure I yeah. would either. Yeah, that's true. Nonetheless, Colin was released in September of 2021, so less than a year ago at this point. In November of the same year, are you ready for this? Colin was rearrested and brought back yeah. to prison. For breaking one of the conditions of the parole, Darren, and he was caught on several occasions of, quote, approaching young women in the vicinity of his home. Remember, he couldn't be around young people or even really be talking to anybody. Or doing anything sussy, and this is literally why he went to prison, (laughs) which also goes to show to me that this is, like, outside of any rationality. Not that raping would be any type of that, but just, like, he... I, it almost feels like one of these things where it's like he like literally cannot help it. No, for sure. I mean, you hear you can feel the mental illness across the yeah. board with this. Well, Colin yeah. has another parole hearing set for the fall of this year, so there's uh, more details to come on this particular episode. At present, the parole board Colin will speak to has a release rate of 25%, meaning uh, the vast majority of prisoners who come before this board are not set free. I'm of the mm-hmm. mindset, Darren, I think you are too, that we hope he stays behind bars at this point. Yeah. Um, and there's still a lot of call from the public for Colin to be kept in prison, as you might imagine. And uh, But the way this case unfolds remains to be seen. Darren, I'm not against hopping on a flight, flying over to L- Little Thorpe, England, or whatever it's called, 
And, uh, you know, protesting to keep these types of assholes behind bars. Well, it even says, because this case is obviously kind of contemporary as I'm looking it up, basically this British conservative party politician, this guy named Alberto Costa, he's basically refusing, he opposes releasing uh, Pitchfork into the public right now. So, you know, I think there's a lot of things happening. Obviously, like defamation lawsuits are really hard to win in Britain. Johnny Depp didn't win that, but he won in the United States. So it's kind of like any given Sunday at different courts, we can't say for sure. But I definitely think because he re-offended, that doesn't That's look what great I mean. for his no, release. No, no. when you've done everything you've done and then you were given a chance at parole and then you right. still fucked up, no. Right. But who knows? Yeah. That's the thing about you, what you just said. You just never know what's going to happen. So I think what we'll do is um, we'll release an update to this in the coming weeks once his uh, parole hearing is had. Yeah. yeah, definitely. We're, we're going to see what happens. Well, let's end, obviously, on a positive note. I'm going to take the first listener shout out. Okay. Al- Alexandria posted a picture of John's favorite Cheez-It Poofties. Poofities. Uh, poofities. And said, NMR, I'm having my daily Cheez-Its for breakfast. Follow me for more healthy eating <laughs> tips, which made me laugh. And that the back of the too. box made me think of mom and dad. If you know, you know. I think I wrote back Breakfast of Champions. That's right. Posts. That's right. So it makes sense. And listen... In college, I used to take boxes of Cheez-Its and I dipped them in balsamic vinegar and that was like my dinner. So literally no shame. Oh so, my John, God. Keep, John, keep moving on. John, next listener. Hold shout on. Out, please. Hold on. Nope. Keep moving. Cheez-It. My mom is listening to this. So Good. I don't. <laughs> Cheez-Its with. Bals- Just dip it in like balsamic vinegar. And it so good. I doesn't it? No, I'm reacting like I want to try that. Oh my god, it actually is like a good snack. We're doing a true crime podcast. Like, should we do a We're, snack a, podcast? Oh, like, point? let's just let's just rebrand. Yeah. Oh, we can call it a whole snack. <laughs> like you and I are a whole snack. Okay. Anyway, moving on because this is not what people signed up for. This will be eaten and beaten by John Brasher oh, and Derek. Oh my god, so good. So, um, so good. I'm okay. just gonna say. I'm just gonna say it. I think it's time to address our fans, if that's what we want to call them, Darren. Okay. Um, we want to highlight our Twitter friend, Rick, who yes. recently tweeted, Hey, at Cheez-It, at Jay Thrasher and at Carpe Darren are obsessed with you. They would love you. Lo- they would love for you to sponsor them. And I just oh, want to say, it, Rick. Rick, you were the only person after last week's pay- um, NMR episode, I believe it was on NMR we said this, who actually went on to Twitter and tweeted to Cheez-It and asked them. them to sponsor. So I feel like, Darren, should we say that of all of the children that we have across the board in our fan base... Of all of the radishes, he's the most delicious radish. He's the most delicious radish. So, Rick, if you're listening, thank you. To everyone else, we're waiting for your tweets. I don't we're know what else to treats- say. I'm waiting for your feedback on Cheez-Its and balsamic vinegar. I'm gonna. Ha- well, that'll be next week's episode for sure. Yeah. Anything to help that. That's going to be a new t-shirt, I'm sure, that's going to come Feels soon. Feels like it. Feels like it. Designed from John. And that's a good reminder because yeah, that's we right. have merch, people. And, of course, if you want your own t-shirt, hoodie, pillow, notebook, tote, whatever you phone want. Phone case. Phone case. Stickers. You know, oh, you tattoos. Name it. You, you name, name it. it. You name it. Click the link to our merch store in the show notes of this episode. Make sure to tag us on social when you've received it because we would love to share. Absolutely. And the best way you can support the show is by directly signing up for... Let me redo that. And the best way you can support the show directly is by signing up to become a Patreon subscriber. You can get bonus episodes, discount codes for merch, and so much more for as little as $5 a month. Darren, I recently posted a couple screenshots of us recording, Mm -hmm. um, hoping people would help caption that. So we've been doing some fun stuff like that. 
Um, but if you know, you, if five bucks is too much, you can even get it cheaper than that if you sign up annually. Um, and you, also, by the way, guys, if you rate, review, and subscribe us, it would be a lot. It would be amazing, actually, because it helps us get discovered. Darren, Absolutely. you usually remind us of that, so sorry I kind of stepped on you there. But No, I'm glad you did. That's an important <laughs> reminder. It doesn't matter which one of us reminds it. But, of yeah. course, we have to thank Taxidermy Tina. <laughs> A.K.A. Megan. A.K.A. Megan That's for right. the show because she always does great research. So, uno, dos, tres. Thanks, Megan. Thanks, Tina. We love you guys. We love you all. And we'll see you next week for another fresh NMR and a fresh new episode, also a known few as our snack. Moments later. That's right. Sorry to mean that. Yes, I know. I just snack broadcast. Actually, you interrupted you on that time. Yeah, yeah. Actually, that's, right. that's a fair point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Which happens from right. time to time. Okay. Yeah, it, it happens. Right. Okay. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.